I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Pros. Pros is the custom beauty brand that is all over your feed. I had been wanting to try them for so long. And when I tell you guys that I put on my Instagram story that they were going to be sponsoring the podcast, I got so many genuine organic responses from my following of people being like, oh my God, I love Pros. I've been using it for years. So don't even just take it from me, but take it from the genuine people that reached out agreeing with me about how much they love Pros. And when Pros says custom, they actually mean it. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. One of the coolest parts of the questionnaire that I thought was they literally asked me about my location and my zip code so that they could understand how hard the water is here, what the UV index is like, if it's cold, if it's dry, and all of that goes into these truly personalized products. Pros even did a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, and Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. So try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering the Artie Friends listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Artie Friends. That's pros.com slash Artie Friends for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash Artie Friends. Welcome back to another episode of Already Friends. This is Kara. And this is Allison. And we are uh, both recording in different states this week. So I just want to apologize in advance if my audio is a little different. I'm up in the mountains. Kara, where are you? I'm in Maine. So complete opposite end of the US. But yeah, we both brought our gear remote. Allison's memory card (laughs) broke. So we actually just like, what's the opposite of lucked out? unlocked out and um it's all right it honestly sounds fine so we're rolling with it yeah but to make up for it, it we're gonna do some extra peaks of the week so that way you guys <laughs> don't want star us <laughs> yeah. so first up i guess we could do our peaks of the week first and i have like the best worst peak of the week ever but if you have one you should start well let's catch up first because i have literally no idea why you're in colorado <laughs> okay 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 fair I don't know. I just really felt like the <laughs> universe was calling me to Colorado. So I was like looking on my laptop Saturday when I was working and I was like, dang, okay. Like I just want to travel and I want to go somewhere, but I have between now and Wednesday. So I just pulled up Airbnb and on like the homepage, I put in the dates that I could go, but no destination. And this one Airbnb and Buena Vista, Colorado popped up and this on the preview photos, there was a picture in the background of this artwork from Marfa, Texas. And I was like, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. So I like click on it. And then the, in the bio, they were like, yeah, we actually designed the whole Airbnb after Marfa. If you guys don't know, Marfa holds a very special place in mine and Kara's heart. It was our first trip we ever took together. So I was like, oh, uh, and I actually modeled so much of New Wave after Marfa. 
So I'm like, okay, what the F? Like, I have to go. Like, I don't even know. I don't know anything about Buena Vista, Colorado. Literally, I've never heard of it. But if this guy has this cool of an Airbnb, like, it's probably a pretty cool town. So I just, like, Clay walked into the new, and I was like, do you want to leave for Colorado, like, after the store closes tonight in, like, four hours? And he was like, I mean, yeah, sure. So he just, he went to the grocery store, got a bunch of groceries so that we could pack them. And we got our workout in after the store closed and we left at 8 p.m. at night, drove through the night, slept in the car Saturday night, and then we got here on Sunday. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to do something and be spontaneous. (laughs) It was so funny because I'm just chilling in Vermont, like doing my little road trip and I get a text, hi, wait, what'd you say? (laughs) And you pull it up. Hi, I just want to touch base. I'm in Colorado, period. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, did she tell me this? I was like, oh my God, wait, I'm so dumb. Did I feel like you told me this? Okay, I'm glad that you didn't tell me this. And no. I just wasn't like completely forgetting that you were doing this. And then, yeah, that's no, so fun. You did not forget. I just came and Clay what came. What a cool trip. Pe- Peaches is here. Yeah. Hey. But you tell yours and then I'll, I'll tell a story. Peach is actually a guest on the podcast today. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sitting here next to Allison. Now I'll give my update too. I'm in, yeah, Portland, Maine right now. I'm in a hotel. I last week wrapped my shoot with Beautiful Destinations and the US Tourism Board. And then afterwards, I ended in Boston because I had to drop off one of our other videographers who's flying out of Boston to go back to Canada. And I was like, wait, maybe I should just like, go to Vermont and Maine now, which I'd said on the podcast. So everyone probably is already aware of that point. But yeah, so I went to Vermont the last couple of days, stayed with my cousin and his wife, saw Woodstock, Vermont, Ludlow, like all these really, really small towns in the middle of nowhere, which is super fun. And now I'm exploring Maine. I was thinking about maybe going to Acadia National Park, which like everyone was saying to go to. But it's at like the tip of Maine. And I'm like, huh, I could spend half the time driving there or I could just like stay in Portland, Maine, really get to know it, this place, take it slower. So that's kind of the plan right now. So I'm in a hotel, yeah, downtown, got a lobster roll by myself for dinner, met some people, some locals, this really drunk lady <laughs> sat next to me and like repeated the same story like three times. I was like, oh no, Kathy, really <laughs> oh <my> pop. <laughs> But no, it was, it's been really fun, but yeah, love meeting people and got to hear some live music, watch the sunset. It's been a really good day. Portland, Maine is a vibe. Yeah, it is. There's a big art school, apparently, like art college. So it has lots of artists here. Yeah. Lots of cute, small businesses. I went to a kombuchery. Did you know that was a thing? Yes, but then when you posted about it, it looked way cuter than the one that I saw before. Like, <laughs> you're, the one you were at was, like, colorful and legit. It was a vibe, and it, the kombucha was so good. We love our booch on the Already Friends podcast, so. Yes, we do. When I found out there's kombucheries, like, breweries, I was pumped. Yes, we so, drink yeah. kombucha and matcha on this podcast <laughs> since we don't drink alcohol yeah. anymore. <laughs> We're transferring our beverages to matcha and kombucha. So I do have to say Buena Vista is now one of my top five favorite cities. When 
we pulled in here. We happened to get here at like 5 p.m. And it was just golden hour over the whole downtown, like glistening in this mountain bowl. And Clay and I had the best playlist playing. And we were just looking at each other and we were both like, whoa, like there's some magic in the air. We were definitely meant to be here. And even Clay was like, I haven't felt peace like this in like years. Like there's just, I don't know, something in the air that I feel here in Marfa and in Amsterdam. It's just, it's different. But I have to tell the story. So today we went for a hike. So yesterday we went, we stopped in Boulder on the way here. And this morning we got like a cute breakfast. So Clay is big into hiking. So I'm like, okay, you can take the lead, right? Like you pick the trail, you pick the place. This is all for you. So he picks it. We drive up there. So we're three miles in on this eight mile hike and we have peaches with us. So she's kind of like prancing along behind me, Clay's in the front. And we look up and there's a bear on the trail, like 50 yards in front of us or 50 feet, like very, 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 very close. I went into mother response mode so fast. I scooped peaches up and like hid behind this tree and Clay stayed on the trail and it was like clapping and then the bear ran away. And my, I actually did okay. I think I was like so scared that I like wasn't that scared. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, well, what do we even do, you know? And so I obviously wanted to stop hiking. I'm like, perfect. Great time to go back to the car and go back to the city. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we did the hike. <laughs> that was one time. <laughs> and Clay had no intention of turning around. Like he was like full blown, like, oh yeah, we're still going to do the hike. And I was like, no, no, I just don't really feel comfortable. I was like, there's two ways this can go. This is either the sign from the universe. Hey, we gave you a nice warning. There's bears here. You, nothing happened. Now safely go back to the car. Or that was just kind of a fluke thing. It's not that common. And it, this was a full size, like three to 400 pound bear. And we had absolutely no cell phone service. And kindly, without prodding, Clay talked me into it. We continued on this entire hike. So we had to keep clapping and talking to the bear. So I'm like walking along and I'm like, hi, Mr. Bear. We're not here to hurt you. Just let us walk on by. I'm like talking literally like, a maniac. <laughs> but we didn't want peaches on the ground anymore. So we had to put her in Clay's backpack because I'm like, you know, I don't want her running around and attracting the wild animals. So we had to hike the remaining five miles all basically up with her in the backpack and both. I mean, she's only 12 pounds, but it was so cute though. She did so good. Anyway, that's what I did. That's what I did right before I hopped onto the podcast. Oh my gosh. Was it a black bear or a brown bear? See, that's what's interesting. I saw a brown bear. Clay saw a black bear. I don't know. Are they both in that area? I mean, it's a huge difference when you're near one. I would assume it's a black bear if it got startled by the noise because black bears are scared and very timid. So if you make a lot of noise, they'll run away. Brown bears will fuck you up. (laughs) They'll come for you. Oh, so it's like a difference of life or death if it's a brown or black bear. I honestly have no idea. And I didn't even know that that difference was (laughs) present in the bears. But I seriously, because Clay and I look at each other and I was like, that was a huge brown bear. And he was like, it was a black bear. And we're both like, wait, how did we just perceive that so differently? Well, hopefully it was a black bear. Well, it doesn't matter if you're alive, you're in the Airbnb, but that's really scary (laughs) either way. Yeah. You never know. I mean, even black bears could hurt you. You never know, I guess. Yeah. We were going to go hiking tomorrow and I looked at him and I was like, do you think it'd be cool if we just called it? Like we just did it today. Like that's fine, right? (laughs) (laughs) One hike per vacation. 
Well, eight miles, that's not a quick... Well, yeah, I'm sore anyway. Yeah. But the peak was <laughs> that we're still alive. That's my peak of the week. And that I handled it really well because even like four years ago, I was afraid of like a cobweb. So I've come a long way. That's awesome. The peak was you hit the peak of the mountain. See what I did there? Just kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, your peak, you can tell that oil story because... Oh my uh, god! Excuse me? The oil story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I... Okay. So wrapped the shoot, ended in Boston, picked up a rental car in Boston. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me just go to my cousin's house. It's a three hour drive. So easy. An hour in, well, first off, I'm driving on the interstate. There's just a complete standstill. Like all the cars are just completely stopped. And I look ahead and there's smoke billowing from the trees. And I was like, is there like a forest fire going on? A car was literally, like, next thing you know, it's, like, black smoke. You can see all the flames. Like, a car literally caught on fire. So, first thing happened, I'm and everyone got out. I was, like, close enough where people were, like, running up and everyone got out of the car. I don't know what happened. It looked like an older car. And I guess sometimes they can just, like, catch on fire. So, everything was good. But we sat, I sat on the highway for, like, 45 minutes just, like, with this car on fire. Finally, the fire trucks came. Like, we're in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. Whatever. It all worked out. I passed by. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, I saw this gas station. I'm like, I should probably just pull over because I'm sure there's not going to be too many stops, like, for the rest of this ride. And honestly, sitting in my car for, like, an hour, I was like, I'll just go grab some water. I pull off the exit and it's like, pull into this gas station. And then I got a light on my car that said, like, low oil pressure. I'm like, okay. So I pull in. I'm like, great. Like it's like red flashing light, like low oil pressure. Like, I don't know what it said, but basically open. I got someone to help me open my hood. Well, no, first I call my parents. And of course my mom was like, oh my God, this is so serious. Like it's such a serious issue. Like freaking me out. I'm like, oh gosh, like great. I found this is not what I need. I know. Right now. <laughs> I, like, you know, when you're like parents are trying to be helpful, but they're just like stressing you out so much. I'm like, mom, like, she's like, this is, this is, says that it's not a good problem, whatever. So then I like had to find someone to help me open the hood because I never know how to, like, you know, when you pop the hood and then you have to unlatch it to like stick your hand in there and unlatch the hood. Mm-hmm. I freaking hate doing that. And I just like can never figure it out. So I had to like, <laughs> find someone in the parking lot to help me. And I finally like found this old man and went up to him and I was like, excuse me. <laughs> like, can you help me open the hood of my car? And then he's like, what's going on? And then I immediately started crying. Cause I'm like, I can't talk. I just like, couldn't talk. I'm like, this is just so embarrassing. I'm like, my car is broken. I don't know what to do. And my mom says it's really bad, but <laughs> I don't know. And he was like, uh, okay, well, let me just help you get your hood open. And then he like helped me check the oil. And there was like, when you stick the, you can like check your oil by sticking the thing in. Mm-hmm. And I literally like, you can check by how much, I don't know, is on the stick. And like nothing was on the stick. So I'm like, are you joking? So long story short, I had to buy oil. I had to put it in myself. The old man ditched me. He was like this crazy girl, like crying. He was not sticking around to help me with the oil, but I figured it out. And luckily Connor had a car that burned oil like crazy in college so we'd always put oil in it so glad I was around for that but got back on the road was delayed two hours because it was like an hour for the oil fiasco an hour for the car on fire so it's like a five-hour drive but 
that's a fun thing, I guess, about solo travel and not having any plans. It's like, it's not like anything was hindered. Like, my cousin was just worried. <laughs> but then I was like, I'm on my way. <laughs> like, I didn't have anything that was late to or anything. So it was fine. It all worked out. Strong, independent woman you are. A single got it mom figured out. who works two jobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Also, if you guys couldn't tell, Karen and I are recording late at night tonight. I know, so I know. Looney Us is coming out. <laughs> Looney, Looney text. Okay, so that's yeah. like my story. I mean, I have nothing else to, else to share. I'm just planning on jumping around for the next couple of days. But yeah. Honestly, same. So you guys will have to stay tuned for us next week to actually tell you what we've been doing since our trips for both of us started literally last night. Yeah. Not much to report. Um, but what's your... <laughs> okay, so your peak of the week was the, was the hike. I would say... Well, I don't think that was... My, the peak of the week was surviving the hike, I guess. Yeah. And I guess that magic feeling. Yeah. That sounds more like a peak. Like what you were saying, yeah. that magical feeling. Sounds really nice. Yes. <laughs> my peak of the week was figuring out the oil all myself. And we got a really good... We went to this coffee shop in Woodstock, Vermont uh, on Sunday called Abracadabra. The cutest branding. They also do smiley face on their logo, which is really cute. And the coffee, I got an iced latte with oat milk and it was so good. So I guess that was like a little win. That was a really nice moment. And I got a maple creamy. Do you know what a maple creamy is? It sounds like a donut, but I have no idea. It's ice cream with maple syrup. So I got oat oh. milk ice cream with maple syrup and it was really good. Ooh. Yeah, that's like a Sounds Vermont very Vermont-y. thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. an OG Vermont thing. So, and that was also from Abercrombie. So, if you're ever in Woodstock, yeah, Woodstock, Vermont, check it out. All right. My good meal was this morning. We had the best acai bowls this morning. You know how sometimes you go to places and the acai bowls are like three inches tall. They were like six inches tall, oh and the acai was so good, and it had all the toppings. I hate when they skimp on the toppings, but this place was ten out of ten. Yum. Yay. What was it called? Do you know? Uh, the blend. Yep. Amazing. Which actually, I was going to put a poll on my story. So when you get something, say like nachos or an acai bowl or literally any pasta with toppings, are you someone that has to like mix it all together so everything goes even? Or do you like to like leave your meals <laughs> intact? Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm not a mixer because I want to know which bites I want. <laughs> yes. Okay. Me too. Clay and I were having this debate because Clay has to mix everything. Like when he gets a Qdoba (laughs) bowl, he like puts the lid on and like shakes up the whole thing and mixes it all together. And I'm like, no, no, no. I need to have like each, I don't know, part of the bite. Yeah. Like if I get a Chipotle bowl, I'm like, okay, this bite is going to have tomatoes on it. And then the next bite is going to be like a chicken bite. And the next bite is going to have chicken sour cream. Same, same, same. I love that. And same with acai bowls. I'm like, okay, this is a banana and peanut butter bite. (laughs) And this is just a smoothie bite. Yes. And why does it matter? It doesn't, but I have to do it that way. (laughs) And it's a better experience. Yes. But Clay claims that he thinks it's a guy thing. He thinks most guys mix everything together. So let us know if your boyfriends just immediately mix up all of their meals. That seems like something you do when you're four. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking that out. That's so mean. <laughs> oh my God. We're losing it, guys. Okay. We're losing it. It's so late. Okay. Peaks of the week. Yeah. Peaks of the week for you guys. And like we said, we're going to give you an extra couple because 
We're, we're feeling generous. We're feeling extra. We want to hide you guys up a lot this week. So the first one that stood out to me, Emily found out that she passed her bar exam. Huge stressor off her plate. Congrats, Emily. Dope. Uh, Jessica said she just submitted an app for a dream job. Fingers crossed. Send good vibes. Good luck. Good vibes sent. Sent. <laughs> Delivered. Read. Sent. <laughs> <laughs> okay mary said she just got her french visa to be an au pair starting this fall congrats mary that's so fun yeah you stole mine that's like definitely the best one so good <laughs> i actually know mary we got dinner a couple months ago and she told me that she was looking for an au pair family so i'm so pumped it worked out yeah that's amazing maddie said she took off in her converted van this week to head out west and move to Denver from Michigan. Van life. Love it. If I could do that, I would. I mean, I guess I could do it. But that always seems like a dream. Van life. Maybe that's my next adventure. It'd be fun. It would be fun. Wait, read more. Read another one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do them all. Like, we'll do, we'll do a couple more. Um <laughs> Wanders in Wonder is traveling to St. Lucia. Wee, that's fun. Cute. Have you been? Love that. Actually, yes, on a cruise though. So for oh, when cool. they get off for like a day. That's fun. I've never been. That's um, on my list. We should read Julian's. Yeah. I, I'll do it. I want to read Julian's. Do it. <laughs> Please. You're like the honorary Juli- Dutch, Dutch girl. <laughs> I'm Julian's number two fan after McKenna. <laughs> Literally, I've never met Julian, but it's fine. Julian is my sister's boyfriend. Uh, fiance. <laughs> oh, fuck. You're right. Oh, my God. I forgot that they got engaged. I told you I was their... <laughs> Wait, okay. what? See, I told you I'm their number two fan. Kara's yeah. number three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I'm not a good sister. Yes, this is my, my sister's fiance. Who's from the Netherlands? Julian made his international debut as a baseball player. And now he can call himself a real international. So dope. He was getting all the hype on social media. That's so sick. Did you see that? No. Did you see how many people were like, oh, again, number I'm two fan. Fan. <laughs> <I'm a big laughs> fan. I just feel like he has a good following and so many people were like, oh, yes, yes, yes. No, Julian's like basically an influencer at this point. He's got all the Dutch yeah. followers, got all the US followers. <laughs> We stand. International superstar. Okay, well, awesome. And make sure to send in your piece of the week every week on our Instagram at We're Already Friends. Do it, do it. All right. So for today's guest, I'm going to make Kara read her bio once again because Kara is so good at this. Why would I even try? <laughs> no. Well, it just works out too that our guest this week is a good friend of mine, Corey Fay. Corey is a full-time employee, which she will get into exactly what she does, but also a full-time content creator. She just has like two jobs, two lives. I call her Hannah Montana. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Corey lives in Boston, Massachusetts. And when she's not working, she's traveling. She's been to over 40 countries. She, if you name a place, she's been there and takes the most beautiful photos. She's photographer, content creator. I know Corey from living in New York City. We had a mutual friend connect us and we hit it off and ended up living in Charleston, South Carolina together last summer for a month. So she's a great person, very smart, 
very loyal, very kind. And yeah, just with that background of having a full-time job that she loves and traveling, we thought she'd be a great guest. Yeah. We had been getting requests from people that were like, love all the entrepreneurs, small business, freelancers, but I have a nine to five. Could you guys get someone on that has like a regular job? So... I can (laughs) relate to them and how they're able to travel. So we brought on Corey because she's not, she's doing it all and she's killing it. So if you guys need someone to look up to, she's your girl. Without further ado, here's Corey. Hi guys. I am Corey. I work in consulting, focusing in banking capital markets. And in my free time slash all of my time, I am traveling the world, taking photos, sharing my stories, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I think you should definitely dive into your full-time job because when Kara and I were talking about having you on, I was like, wait, she has a full-time job? And Kara was like, yeah, <laughs> like a really legit full-time job. <laughs> I think like that's part of the thing. I think a lot of people follow me on Instagram and think that I do traveling full-time. And I think in my bio, it says something like, never not traveling or something like that, which I think really adds to the whole, she doesn't actually have a job and she just travels whole thing. But I do have a full-time job in corporate America. It is management consulting, which I think is very confusing because when people hear consulting, there's this like whole world of things that you could do. Like, what are you consulting? Like, who are you consulting for? But I focus on banking and capital markets. So I work with banks like pretty much exclusively. And what I'm consulting in kind of depends on like banking needs. So a lot of it is doing like current state analyses and then from there like developing target state analyses. At this point, like some people start to like fall asleep. I can just see their like (laughs) eyes glaze over and they stop listening. But um, it's super interesting and I actually really do enjoy it. It's very intense hours wise. It's one of those corporate America jobs where it's supposed to be a nine to five, but it realistically ends up becoming like an eight to eight um, and sometimes later. But, you know, it's the life we live. But yeah, so having, and I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand because for consulting, you do end up traveling a lot. Um, A lot of my clients are New York based and I'm Boston based. So I do a lot of traveling, especially domestically or to large cities for work, um, which also goes hand in hand with the whole Instagram photo travel thing that I do on the side. So if you haven't done this yet, go look at her Instagram at Corey Fay, Corey IE, but you can see what we're talking about. Seriously, such a talented photographer, has been everywhere. And if not, she'll be there like next week. But I think that's the perfect segue into how you got into traveling, which was Allison and I's very first question. So I know you've told me like it, like you said, went hand in hand with your job, kind of getting those rewards from traveling all the time for work. Is that what you would say? Yeah. So it started when I was, I think, pretty young. I My dad was really into road trips. So like a classic American dad, we took a lot of road trips. Every year we would drive from San Francisco to Boston and we would take three weeks to do it. So every single U.S. state, especially in the lower 48, every single Southern Canadian province, I have driven through it. I've driven through Omaha. I've been to the zoo. I've seen everything. So that really started it. And then as I got older, I realized that travel was really expensive So it wasn't really something I did in high school and college. And I really wanted to travel abroad or study abroad, um, but financially just like wasn't an option for me. So when I graduated, I pushed off working for six months, took my signing bonus, went to Europe. And I lasted that signing bonus for about a month and a half in Europe, stayed in hostels, ate at really cheap restaurants, Switzerland, we were there for three days. 
I lived off of a baguette and cheese because that is all I could afford in Switzerland. But that's sort of what really started fueling that passion and meeting different people and seeing different experiences and getting to really delve into different cultures is what sort of made me feel alive. And then from there, it just sort of took off. Like every weekend I had, I was going somewhere new, whether it be in the U.S., whether it be international. And then snowball effect, now I'm going to Paris for the weekend. So... Yeah, it's been it's been something I've always really loved, but wasn't financially able to afford for a while. And now I'm really grateful that I'm in a point in my life where I can visit a lot of places. And the other thing is feeling comfortable visiting those places alone. I know a lot of people who travel have a tough time either finding friends to go with or finding the right time. And it, you always put off trips because you think like, oh, we'll do it like next vacation or I don't have enough PTO or my friend doesn't have enough PTO. But being able to do those trips on your own is a really introspective experience and can be really rewarding. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into travel. Dang. Okay. I am really curious about your real full-time job though. Can we ask you about that though? Like how the heck you even (laughs) got into that? Yeah, of course. So I went to school and I wanted to work in sports. I was like, all I ever wanted to do, I just wanted to work in some sports team in some city, winning some kind of championship. Um, And as I got closer to the end of school, I realized that if you want to work in sports, it is a very thankless job. And at the end of the day, your success will largely be tied to the team's success. And I didn't really picture myself being in an environment where a group of 25, 20-year-olds would determine how well I am or how good I am at my job. So I started looking at career options that would give me the most experience doing a lot of different things which is how consulting sort of fell into the picture. And honestly, like I I randomly applied online. Like I didn't have an internship. I didn't have any experience in consulting before applying to a full-time job. A lot of times it is sort of that internship that feeds you in. But it was sort of pitched online as this idea of you work with a lot of different companies on very specific projects. And those projects can last anywhere between six weeks to two years, mostly. Of course, there's outliers, but because of that, every six weeks to two years, you feel like you're starting a brand new job. You have a brand new team, you have a brand new objective. Sometimes you're working with brand new clients. And because of that, it sort of fueled my love for learning new things. I think after you graduate school, you sort of plateau in terms of there are those people with the curiosity that go after learning new things. And then there's the people who are just sort of like comfortable where they are and don't really feel like they need that growth. Um, But having a job that changes so often was something that I really, really loved and love now. And so because of that, I started five, five years ago, four years ago now, and I still absolutely love it. Whereas a lot of people I started with also burn out because when you're constantly having this influx of new information, new people, you're constantly being thrown into the deep end and saying, hey, Kara, can you work on this and get it done to me by tomorrow? And you have no idea what's going on. It can be very overwhelming but it's also a way to learn so quickly that can be so, so rewarding. So hopefully that answers your question, Allison. So you're brilliant is basically what I got out of that. It's not that. (laughs) It's not that. It's feeling very, very comfortable under pressure. And that also sort of started at a young age. Just I would be that person that would leave that assignment that I had eight months to do to the last week, just because I knew that if I pushed myself to do it in that last week, it would give me my best output. That being said, I'm basically telling you that I'm a huge procrastinator, um, oh, no. but in in certain cases, it, it can be really, really beneficial because when I keep my plate full is when I'm the most productive. 
um, which means my output in terms of whether it be work products or photos or planning travel or anything like that. It's all I'm always at my highest output when I'm doing the most or I have the most on my plate. So, so it's really simplified for someone who's listening to simplified consulting. Would you just say you're kind of a professional problem solver and you jump onto projects that need a consultant to help problem solve? <laughs> So yeah, I went to UConn for business. It's a lot of problem solving and preventing future problems. So it's not always the case where a bank or someone has a problem and they come to us. It could be something that's like, hey, I have this going on right now. How do I make it better? And that's where it's fun for me and it has a lot of creative freedom. Because if you look at anything and you say, okay, how do I make this more efficient? How do I optimize it? How can I cut costs? You really get the freedom to decide like how you want to do that. And I find that incredibly intellectually stimulating and entertaining. And it is something that I want to do for a while. So, And it's a very lucrative yeah. career field, especially for you. That it is. Yeah, it is, which is great. And I, I mean, consulting, you can consult in anything. For people who are looking into getting into consulting, like healthcare is one of them. Um, I know the entertainment industry is a really popular one. Travel, of course, is one as well. So there's all, any field that exists out there, there is like a branch of consulting for it. Um, it's just about finding what you're passionate about and what you're interested in. So segueing into that, you bought a house in Boston, which is crazy. Yes. Yeah. So it's actually just north of Boston. Wow. It's in Chelsea for anyone familiar with the New England area. But it was something that I've always wanted to do. Um, I grew up in a rental. So I think owning was very important to me and having that space to sort of ground myself, even though not really here that much, obviously, from all the traveling. But in the past year and a half with COVID, it has been so rewarding being able to build this space to be exactly what I need. And so whether that's building an office space or building a bedroom that I really feel comfortable in, or even just making sure I have enough dining room chairs to have all my friends over, things like that. Being able to have a space at home that is your own, I think is something that I found to be so important. And Growing up when you're living in like dorm rooms and one bedroom apartments in cities or sharing rooms with a bunch of other roommates, there comes to be a point in your life where you don't really invest in that space anymore because everything's so temporary. And Kara, I'm sure you can relate with having just bought a house, like being able to actually set down those roots and you think, okay, what kind of artwork do I like? Not temporarily, but what kind of artwork do I see myself liking for years? And that's sort of what you put your time and effort into. And it's it's really cool to see that come together, honestly. And I will say, Corey's house is stunning. I was just there <laughs> when I popped over on my before I started my road trip. And it's like, you know, those houses you walk into, you just want to plop down on the couch and just sit there for like six hours. That's kind of cozy. Your house gives me. It's come a long way in the past year. But thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Honestly, I really appreciate it. Because before COVID, I, there was literally like an empty room. There were multiple rooms that were just empty without furniture because I just didn't know what to do with it. And I simply didn't have the time. Um, so that's been definitely a blessing in disguise, to say the least. I could see how important... In her bed's comfy. We shared it. Oh. <laughs> that's amazing. I was going to say, with yeah. how much you travel, I can't imagine how crucial it is to have that space to come back to and like know you're going to get your laundry done and know like all of your cords are where you left them and refill your cup. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the biggest like travel hacks I'll say over the past years is buying like two sets of things like toiletries and chargers. 
Like I have a set of toiletries that does not leave my suitcase because I know when I <laughs> unpack and I forgot like my face wash or like makeup wipes or something like my whole, my whole trip is ruined because all of a sudden I need to go find a CVS to go buy it. So that and I have like a charger brick with an iPhone cable and an Apple Watch cable that does not leave my backpack because there's nothing worse than unpacking for a trip and your phone's on 5% all of a sudden you don't have a charger. Wait, you saying that reminded me of another travel tip that I don't think we've said on the podcast. Make sure, you know, they have those like fast phone chargers now that everyone has, but make sure you always bring like a USB iPhone charger because on the plane, they only have USB plugs for the chargers, just like random cafes and places. They'll only have a USB plug. So if you have the super fast iPhone charger, make sure you bring both. Totally. That is a good tip. (laughs) Okay. Wait, how many countries have you been to, Corey? That's a great question. You're definitely not the first person to ask. I have absolutely no idea. I would guess upwards of 40 to 50. Oh my goodness. But I <laughs> don't have an exact number. I also don't... I think a lot of people get really caught up in the number of countries that they've been to and not necessarily like the quality of time that they've spent there, um, which is not really something I'm trying to do. And that's one of the reasons why I've never really been interested in counting. Although now that you ask, I kind of want to know. But I think it's somewhere in that like 40s-ish zone. And you're how old? 27. Hey, me too. Almost. Yeah. Twins. Wow. You've accomplished so much at such a young age. Like you've been to all those countries. You have a very good career. And you're also now like becoming a travel influencer as well. Like that's really been popping off for you. Do you want to go into that? Yeah, I think... I never set out to be an influencer. I'll say that much. Like I love taking travel photos because I've always loved photography. It was something I did in high school with film. And anyone who's into photography knows it's really expensive for cameras and lenses and gear. So it wasn't something I really pursued in college just because I couldn't afford it. But it actually started with a work trip to Guam, of all places. And for those of you who don't know where Guam is, because I didn't know where Guam is, it is like five hours east of the Philippines, which is basically the middle of nowhere. Um, But I was on a work trip out there for about a month, and I had absolutely nothing to do. I was there with two other coworkers who had already been a bunch of times. They just weren't interested in exploring. So one weekend, I was like, okay, I'm going to take the rental car. I'm going to take my Canon Rebel T3 or whatever I had at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to explore, and it's going to take me all weekend. Within three and a half hours, I had completely circled the island So uh, at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to stop every quarter mile or so, take out my camera and see what I find. And I ended up taking a few photos that performed really, really well on Instagram. And that kind of became a snowball effect because people started messaging me saying things like, oh, Guam, I didn't even know Guam was like a real place. I thought that was just sort of made up or I didn't know it was near Asia. I always thought it was in the Caribbean or things like that. And being able to get that knowledge out to people was something that I became really, really passionate about. And especially being able to inspire young females to travel, whether it's with friends or solo, or to places that are sort of off the beaten path or places that they just thought were never attainable has been something that is kind of fueling that travel fire as well. Yeah, you definitely find really out there places or go into like really unique buildings or really remote destinations What's your process for choosing? So I kind of have a running list of places that I always either have wanted to visit or want to visit. 
Um, and it's just on like Google Drive or whatever. And for each place, there's sort of a running list underneath it. So it's like, okay, I've never been to Dubai. Dubai is somewhere I want to go. Then I have a list of like 20 things under that list of things that I've just seen online, on Instagram, on Pinterest. Someone's told me about something I've read in a travel magazine. And that's sort of how I keep it all organized. And that way, when I decide, okay, I have a week of vacation coming up for Thanksgiving. Where do I want to go? And when I do decide to go somewhere, I have that list already compiled. So when you start planning for a trip, it's so much easier than scouring the internet for every last thing that you can do um, because there is just so much information out there and it is really overwhelming. And then you start thinking to yourself, well, I saw that cafe on Instagram two months ago. Who posted that? Was that a story? Was it a post, reel? Um, So being able to collect that information as you go is really, really important. That's cool. I feel like, yeah, information overload definitely happens with me when I'm traveling or even just like being on the ground and trying to look up somewhere and then there's 20 options. And it's like, oh, if you just had that list beforehand, that'd be a really quick, easy decision on the ground. Instead of taking time on your vacation, be like, what's the best place to go do coffee and get lunch? And yeah, I think some beforehand research is really helpful. That's a good idea. I could definitely yeah. expand one into a list because what I do is just save everything into different Instagram saved folders. So I always have one for like Paris, Amsterdam or whatever. And then I can look up that city if I do happen to be there. But you're right because now with stories or if you see it in a magazine or other things, it's not just going to be able to be saved to an Instagram post. So good idea. The amount of random <laughs> screenshots I have of like places, but I don't even know who posted it or I have any context. Like I really, that's what I really need to go through and organize. Uh, but I do think the Instagram collections is such a good feature. And that's honestly probably one of my favorite Instagram features for planning travel. It's so, so helpful. Yeah, it's literally like Pinterest. What is that? Is that the articles you can do? No, you know how that has a little like flag on the bottom and then you can hit that and it saves it to a collection and then you can pick the collection. Do you not know what I'm and talking you about? Can- I have no Wait, idea what really? we're talking about. You're so savvy. <laughs> Kara, there's no way you haven't used this And then you can make different folders <laughs> and then like label the different folders. So I have one for like favorite captions. Yeah. I have one for like repost later. So that way, if I don't have enough content oh, that day, then I can just like... That thing? Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, I didn't know that was called collections. That's fun. I was like, I call them yeah. saved folders, oh. but I don't know. That's it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> At least you got there in the end. Okay, good, good. Okay, we got you. Wait, okay. So I kind of want to go back to when you said traveling alone. You've done mm-hmm. quite a few trips by yourself. And mm-hmm. notably, one of them that sticks out to me is your Southwest road trip where you literally got a rental car and just drove around to all these national parks last summer. Yeah, that was... I will say solo travel, it's not my favorite thing. I do really love it because it is so introspective and it's helped me discover a lot about myself in the past years. And honestly, traveling with friends, although it can be really rewarding, can also be very difficult, especially with you're working with different budgets, different PTO, different interests. Um, and especially, I mean, I really like to shoot sunrises. And my one of my friends, Kath, always goes to me on trips and she's at the point where it's 5.30 a.m. and she's like, I'm going to sleep in. I know you can take photos on your own. You're just going to go and then we'll meet up for breakfast later. So being able to go to the Southwest, I'm not a big hiker. I, I wasn't before COVID. I, If you look at my page now, I look like a huge hiker. But being able to plan that trip all on my own and have it be such a challenge, especially with photography. I remember texting one of my friends before saying, I don't know how this trip is going to go for me because I don't take photos of things in nature ever. I have been such a city traveler, like cities are where I grew up, they're where I live, they're where I feel very comfortable. 
So taking pictures of anything not in a city felt very, very foreign to me. But that was almost the best part of the trip because it was just like me and my tripod and being able to find the best compositions on my own, not feeling rushed, not feeling like I had to sort of adhere to anyone else's schedule. I think that's the other thing. If you're a photographer and you're traveling with non-photographers, you have this constant pressure to hurry up when you're taking a photo because usually the other people are just standing around. So really being able to take that time on your own and really focus on getting the shot that you want, it helped me blossom so much creatively, but also really was almost a healing experience after COVID and after everything that's happened, being able to take that time to myself, like be in nature, plan these hikes on my own. It was incredibly rewarding. And the national parks in Utah and Arizona are stunning. If you haven't been, go. It is such an incredible experience. There's so much to see and there's so much to do. And it's something that you can do relatively on a budget as well, which I was a huge fan of. So, yeah. And Carrie, you weren't that far behind me. You were like at Arches a week after I was, basically. I know. I just missed you on that. I was jealous that you went to Amangiri. Is that how you say it? Like the nicest yeah, in the Amangiri. US. Yes, it is. I get why all the celebrities go. I completely understand. If it was even some semblance in a budget for me to go regularly, I would. But that, if you ever get engaged or are looking to elope <laughs> or something, like Amangiri is the place you need to go because it is stunning. I have never seen anything like it in the aesthetic is going to inspire me for years to come, basically. There is some places that are just worth the splurge. Like, they are that cool. They are that nice. Like, they're famous for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, if anyone didn't know what Amangiri is, if you saw, like, Kylie Jenner's vacation post, where she's in the middle of the desert, but, like, the bougiest building that just seems like it's in the middle of nowhere, that's Amangiri. Definitely look it up. I feel like we should talk about how you take your own Instagram content because you you do solo travel. You also do your own stuff. Like, what are your best tips for taking your own pics? Because your pictures are next level for being taken by yourself. Thank you. I, this is going to be advice that everyone has heard before. But honestly, practice makes perfect. I was I had recently just got back from Paris. And I was comparing some solo travel photos I took five years ago versus what I took today. And the difference is night and day. It is insane. I literally had a selfie stick when I was in Paris five years ago, <laughs> and it is so cringy. But I will say that, one, it's it's going to take a lot of practice, whether you have an iPhone or a camera, figuring out what your best setup is, what your best angles are. I'm not great at posing. At least I don't think I'm great at posing. I've never felt very comfortable in front of the camera. If you look at all of my photos from like 2017, it is literally just me standing there arms to my side, like six straight, <laughs> no posing at all. It looks like my mom is taking a photo of me or something for grandma. But getting comfortable in front of the camera, which honestly, I think it helps when you're taking your own photos. So I think there's a level of not anxiety, but you just feel a little bit of pressure when you're working with a photographer. Whereas when you're with yourself, you have all the time in the world to sort of figure out, okay, what angles do I like? What positions do I like? What kind of compositions do I like? But the whole taking my own Instagram photos really started when, I don't know if you guys remember, but in 2016, 2017 was kind of like the golden age of like travel and Instagram. There were all these influencers or content creators or whatever they're called that were taking these incredible, incredible photos. And all the cap, all the comments under the photo would say, wow, this is such a great shot, all these things. These people were being 
rewarded for basically being a photographer, but they didn't take the photo. Like, shouldn't your boyfriend mm, yeah. have all of this fame and success because he's the one taking your photo? It's just very confusing to me. And I I think even to this day, it's, it's something that's kind of a gray area because there are so many successful female travel influencers or bloggers or whatever it is where their husbands or boyfriends or whatever it is take all yes. of their photos. So who's the photographer? Like, who's the content creator mm-hmm. in this situation? And I didn't want my success to be determined by a boyfriend or a future husband or whatever it is, because there's also a lot of content creators that I've seen that have done so well. And (laughs) then an unfortunate breakup, an unfortunate breakup or something happens (laughs) and all of a sudden their content is completely different. And like, dare I say bad even. And that's when you really know that if your success is tied to someone else, then I mean, you're kind of screwed if, if something goes badly. So that's sort of what inspired me on this journey. And that's the other thing is there isn't, I'm not in a position where I have a guy that can go on every single trip with me. So being able to know that I can go on a trip by myself, still get that fire Instagram content without a dependency on someone else is so important. And that's another thing that I feel very passionate about inspiring others to do. Because there's so many girls, especially, that feel like they can't get good Instagram photos because they don't have an Insta boyfriend or whatever it is. And no hate to all the Insta boyfriends out there. You guys are doing God's work, honestly, like doing great things for your girlfriends. And we all are so grateful for you. But for all my girls out there who don't have Instagram boyfriends or a best friend that loves taking photos or anything like that, like you can do it on your own. It's going to take a little bit more work. It's going to be a little bit harder. But I can guarantee at the end, it's so much more empowering and it is so much more rewarding when you see your content doing well and you know that you're the person in front and behind it. And camera. editing. Mm-hmm. Yes, editing is a whole a whole other animal. But honestly, I think editing is one of the most fun parts. It's, it's when you really get to make a photo your own. Um, and being able to sort of sit at home and relive that trip, going through all your hard drive of hundreds and hundreds of photos is one of my favorite parts about travel content. So Okay, all that being said, now yeah. that you really feel like you've figured out how to take your own photos and everything, what would you say that your goal vibe is that you're going for and all the content that you're taking? That is a great question. I think it's going to be a combination of stories and posts, but I want people to feel, one, almost like they're there with me. So it's a lot of my stories are sharing like what I'm currently up to, what I'm doing that day. And I try to stay very active on stories, especially when I'm traveling to sort of give you a look at cafes or food or things that I see on the street, things that wouldn't necessarily show up on my feed. And then two, in terms of the posts, one, very attainable for anyone with a tripod and a camera. And two, something that inspires other people to travel. I think a lot of people look at my photos and have either sent me a DM or something saying, oh my gosh, like I want to go there. Where is this? And I think that's an incredibly rewarding feeling as well, because it's That's sort of how I felt, honestly, five years ago. So I was seeing all these places on Instagram and Google and Pinterest or whatever and thinking, like, I would do anything to be able to go there. How do I do that? And that sort of gets back into the I also have a full-time job thing because I think a lot of the people who are inspiring us to travel are full-time travel influencers, content creators, whatever it is. And it's the middle of a work week and they're in Italy, which is not something that a lot of us can do very often, especially with limited PTO or other commitments or limited finances or things like that. So making those trips attainable to people is really, really important to me. How do you find that balance between working that many hours and still jetting out 
<laughs> I will say it's exhausting. It's, it's, I mean, it's really rewarding. So I do love it, but it, it can be exhausting. And that's in the past year, I've really tried to scale back a bit, obviously because of COVID, but honestly, just spending more time on myself. It's really hard to keep up a routine and healthy habits while you're traveling. And I've done the best that I can, honestly. And like one of the things is working out. Like no matter where I am, I try to get in a workout every single day or hit those 10,000 steps or drink however much water I'm supposed to be drinking, which is definitely more than I already drink. But it does, it's like working two full-time jobs, honestly, between taking photos and editing. And there's a lot of days where, I mean, tomorrow will probably be one of them. I'll wake up at five, I'll shoot sunrise, and then I'll be at my desk ready to work by 7, 7.30, which when you're working from 7, 7.30 until like eight or nine becomes a really long day. But I love getting in bed at night and thinking, okay, what did I do today? And I can name more stuff than I probably would have done in a week otherwise. So I do find that element really rewarding. But I will say it, it is exhausting and it forces you into being very, very efficient with time management. How do you <laughs> so, manage? <laughs> yeah. One of the things is having a routine and I time block a ton. So I'll say, okay, anything before work, usually shooting, anything after work will be editing. And then there's also the element of batch creating content. So a lot of times if I'm, for example, I was just in Paris, I was shooting like four or five different locations all in one morning. And especially when your hair is done, your makeup's done, if you're a girl, like you bring a couple of dresses with you, it's really easy to batch shoot all of those photos instead of going out every single sunrise because you will burn out so, so, so quickly. So one, when whenever I shoot, I have sort of a plan of what I want to shoot. Um, things don't always work out the way that I want them to, obviously. But having some backup locations, ideas for a short form video, if you're into reels or TikToks, having that all pre-prepared, you can really be very, very efficient when you shoot. And I will say also shooting myself when I started out, it would take me hours to get the shot that I wanted. And now I'm at the point where I can do it in six to 10 photos. I'll be able to find like a couple that I really, really like and just be able to stick with those. And that takes me, what, 10 minutes? Um, so being able to be really efficient with that. And something that I've always done, but recently heard the term for is passive multitasking. So I know a lot of people struggle a lot with multitasking and Doing two things at once sort of pulls you in two different directions. But when you do things like passive multitasking, so if you're getting your nails done, you're also answering emails. If you're watching Netflix, you're also editing photos or doing something else. Or whenever you're doing a passive activity, also doing something else really, really keeps, one, me very efficient, two, sort of your brain engaged. Like I started recently listening to podcasts and audiobooks a lot more while I'm doing everything whether it's doing the dishes or laundry or things like that, or even I'll do audio messages when I'm responding to friends instead of full text messages. Keeping yourself engaged in that way, one, for me, makes me feel like I'm never wasting time, which is great. And two, I get so much more done in a day when I'm doing passive multitasking than when I'm not. So that's something I highly recommend if you've got a busy day like I do. I think I really like that term. I've never heard passive multitasking, but I always try to say like, I do like to multitask. Like, there's throwing on the podcast or if you're going on a walk, like editing the photos or like planning out what you're going to do that day while you're doing something else. But then, yeah, people can kind of hate on you for multitasking by saying you're not being present in those things. But if you're watching a Netflix show, like how engaged do you really need to be in it? You know, like you're, it's more important what like the other thing you're working on. Yeah, exactly. So that's good advice. I would love to ask you next. So I always go to Corey for money and budgeting advice. So 
yeah, you're 27 working consulting for banks. Like this girl knows about a dollar or two. So what is your best budgeting tips? Even though, you know, you can afford probably some things, you are really good at spending your money wisely. So what's your thought process with that? I will preface this with, although I work for banks, I'm (laughs) not a financial advisor. So I cannot actually tell you what to do with your money, but I can tell you what I do with my money and what I think people should do with their money. Um, And the biggest tip for anyone our age or really any age, budgeting. Doesn't matter where you keep your budget, how you have your budget, but as long as you have some semblance of what you have to work with and where it's going, and then be able to match it up with reality and saying, okay, this is actually how much I'm spending. So I know a lot of people make their own, whether it be in Excel or Google Sheets, or use a third-party app like Mint, or you need a budget. I've played around with both. I think they're both great. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you use as long as you have something. I think there is a kind of a movement towards people not wanting to worry about money, so they just don't think about money. And that is not the thing to do. Not thinking about money means you will just worry more about money in the long term. It doesn't matter how much money you make. When you don't have any idea what's coming in and what's going out, it's just going to lead to a disaster. Um, So being able to budget and living within your means is really, really important. I know everyone said this before, but I think recently I heard this advice that budgeting isn't necessarily about just not spending as much on anything. It is about cutting back mercilessly on the things you don't care about so that you can spend money on the things you do care about. And there's a couple, I think like finance influencers or whatever they're called that promote that. And I highly, highly believe in that. You do not need to cut back on everything. But if you don't care about your coffee, don't spend $7 on every single latte. Just make it at home. If you don't care about walking or taking an Uber, cut back on that so you can spend money on something else. And at the end of the day, everyone has something that they want to spend money on. Everyone has it, whether it be travel, whether it be clothes, whether it be toys for their dogs, things like that. Like everyone always has that. And there's always things that you don't care about as much as that. As long as you can cut back on those things, you can absolutely splurge on the things that you do care about. That being said, if you do feel very comfortable with where you are at with your financial situation, the world of credit cards can be your best friend. And I know, Carrie, you've been getting into this more and more recently. I think you're staying in a hotel on points. <laughs> that is correct. I am correct. <laughs> but credit card points are hugely, hugely beneficial. My caveat, that only works if you pay off your balance on time. Once you start accruing interest, once you're not, once you start carrying over that balance, it's game over. None of those points are beneficial to you and it's a wash. So if you do feel like you can pay off that balance month over month, those points will get you free hotel stays. They'll get you upgrades to first class on airlines. They can get you free dinners. They can get you experiences that money can't even buy. And that is so beneficial, whether it be points for traveling, whether it be cash back on certain purchases. That is definitely something that I recommend you looking into. And I have some friends who are financially in a very good place and still using a debit card. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, there's so many benefits that are like just a door away. And all you need to do is send in a credit card application. (laughs) That being said, if you are bad with money, do not even start (laughs) with the world of credit cards because they can eat you alive if you are not good Mm -hmm. at managing your finances. So yeah, some other advice I would say, open a high yield savings account. 
Um, especially if you're not really into investing or anything like that, a high yield savings account will give you a better return than your average savings account. There's a bunch of really great ones out there. You can Google whatever the the highest return rate is, but that's something I definitely recommend. And making sure that if your company is matching you for a 401k, make sure you get the best benefit out of that because it is essentially free money. If a company's matching you for 6%, make sure you're putting in that amount. Otherwise, and, and I know it's tough when you're in your 20s to think, oh, retirement, like, that is so far away. Retirement doesn't matter. I'll worry about that in 20 years. But the amount of compound interest you're losing out on is the difference between having tens of thousands in your savings for retirement versus hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. versus millions in your retirement. So make sure you understand what is offered by your employer and make sure you are using those benefits to the max. I love that. I think that's great advice because I just know that you and me have talked about credit cards and saving and you're seriously so on top of it. It's not even funny. So always like reaching out to you for your input. It's one of those things that like if your money or your financial life is not in order, the rest of your life won't be in order. You will be stressed all of the time and it is not worth it. I mean, the amount of friends that I talk to that have moved to New York and year one or two, they break even at best. And they're just stressed all the time. It's like, yeah, you're in New York. It's great. You're taking Ubers home from the bars every weekend and you're buying $14, $15 drinks every night and going out with your friends. You're spending all this money to benefit you right now so that you won't have any stress right now. That will create exponential stress for you in the future. So look out for your future self, have a savings account, invest some of your money. Okay, Corey, since I feel like you give off big sis vibes, I have to ask you, what big sister advice could you give? Or maybe just advice that you think everyone in their early, mid-20s should know and that you're glad you knew when you figured it out. I would say don't forget about your future self. I had a pretty big health scare when I was younger and it really put me in the moment and it put me into this sort of fight or flight, I'm going to die tomorrow, I need to do absolutely everything today type of mindset. And I think ultimately it led me to make some really unhealthy choices for future me. And at the time, I didn't even think twice about it because I, I didn't have future me in mind at all. And now I'm slowing down a lot more and doing things that'll benefit me in the future. And I think that is definitely something that I highly recommend to everyone in their 20s. And I don't mean like totally forget about living in the moment and totally forget about having fun and just do things that'll be good for you in the future, but just don't forget about the things that'll be beneficial to you in 5, 10, 20 years. Very good point. I think there's a huge disconnect between when you're young and that you even next week or next month or next year is the same person that you are now. So like self-sabotaging and not looking out for yourself, like it's so horrible. But I think so many of us did it in so many categories when you were younger. And now you're like, oh, why, why did I do that? Yeah, definitely. I think now that we're in this sort of like TikTok reels era, I think there is an element of romanticizing your everyday life and romanticizing those routines and romanticizing the things that are good for you. Um, Like I know there's been a huge push recently with not drinking or drinking less or cutting back or going on these guys quote unquote dry spells. And like, I am someone who rarely drinks to begin with. Like when I travel, I rarely drink just because if I'm getting drunk at a bar, I can just get drunk at a bar at home. I don't need to be doing it in Peru or wherever else. 
And I think that is so beneficial because as you get older, as you guys probably know, those hangovers start hitting a lot harder and all of a sudden your mornings start becoming a lot less productive. So I think really taking care of future you, romanticizing those routines. You don't need to be in the most beautiful place ever to be good to yourself and to have those good routines and to feel like you you can be able to romanticize your life. I love that. Yeah. Or even just waiting to live your life. Like I feel like with, we've all done a really good job of taking those everyday moments that may be mundane and yeah, like you said, romanticizing them and just appreciating where we're at in life. I think going back to something you said at the beginning was you can always make an excuse to not travel like, oh, I don't have enough time or whatever. And like, even this trip that I just came on this weekend, it was like, oh, I already have all my yoga classes booked for next week. Oh, my dog would have to come. Oh, I haven't booked an Airbnb yet. It's so easy to make every excuse under the sun to not do those things that you want to do when it really comes down to it. So actually pulling the trigger and, you know, go like you just went to Paris last weekend. Like even though you didn't, you could have made every excuse to not take that trip, but you did it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what really separates the people who love travel and the people who like travel. Because you will always be able to find an excuse of why not to take a trip. But those people who really love travel will always find a reason to go. What would you say your top three favorite reasons for traveling are? Oh, that's a good question. I would say number one is it puts me and I would assume everyone else out of your comfort zone, especially when you are going to a non-English speaking country. When you're standing on the subway and you can't understand any of the conversations around you, it really, really heightens your awareness and heightens your senses. And it really puts into perspective how big the world is. I know that sounds really cheesy, but it it does make you feel a little uncomfy. It's not the neighborhood you grew up in. It's not the neighborhood you live in. You don't know the local barista. That to me is a really, really rewarding feeling. So that's definitely number one. Number two... Being able to connect with people from different backgrounds is also something that I find really, really important. And it is so easy to sort of stay in your little bubble of wherever you grew up or your friends from work or school or whatever it is and never really gain a perspective out of that. But when you travel and you talk to different people, you experience different things, your perspective grows so much. And I think that is an element of self-betterment that everyone sort of needs to some extent. So that is... Definitely, definitely, definitely something I find very important. That's something, honestly, I look for in coworkers. I look for people that have that global perspective because their solutions that they approach problems with are so much more diverse and honestly better because of that, because they think about those out-of-the-box things and they have that perspective that not a lot of other people have. Finally, there is a massive element of learning whether it be from just learning history of the things you're seeing, learning about different cultures or different people, your horizons are expanded so much. And I know this sort of ties into being out of your comfort zone and meeting different people, but you just learn so, so much when you travel that I don't really think you can learn in any other element of life. I mean, you can watch a YouTube video about Chichen Itza, but that does not compare to actually being there and standing there and getting to experience it. And I think that is something that is so incredibly rewarding and so important. And that is a massive reason of why I travel is because I love that learning element. Wow, that was beautifully said. Thank you. I couldn't agree more. And on the fly, I put you on the spot and you had amazing Yeah, answers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I told you she's smart. Quick on her feet. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll give you our last question that you may or may not know that we ask every episode, but to you, Corey, what makes a good friend? 
I'm waiting for this. I've listened to episodes. I know. Oh, I know. I know. For me, it is showing up unapologetically for the people in your life. Being someone who travels so much, and I'm sure anyone who travels can relate with this, it is really hard to be there for people because you are just not around. To the point where I have a Google calendar specifically of my schedule that says like this day to this day, Corey in Paris, Corey in New York, Corey is at home. And that is a calendar that I share with the people closest in my life because otherwise they have no idea where I am. But when I'm home, And I say that I will be there. It doesn't matter if I'm tired. It doesn't matter if I have work. It doesn't matter if I have or just don't want to go. I will show up unapologetically every single time that I can. And I will never make an excuse if I say I'm going to be there. And that I think that's something really, really important. And my friends at home especially know because there have been like so many times, whether it be engagements or birthdays or whatever it is that I haven't been able to make it because I'm not in the country or I'm just unavailable or things like that. So making that effort to be there for your friends when you can is so, so, so important to me. And I will never bail on someone last second. Damn, good answer. Another new answer. (laughs) It is hard when you have a really busy schedule. You are going to miss weddings. You are going to miss important events. But there's a difference of you being up front and being like, yeah, I'm sorry, there's no way I was going to make that from the beginning. And then being up front with them and saying, hey, but I'd love to do this thing when I am back. And then full sending it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And And there's nothing worse than having the friend who says they're going to come and then 10 Mm -hmm. minutes before they're supposed to be there backs out. That's way worse. Yeah, it definitely is. But I I think one of the things with traveling too is I'm now at a point in my life where I can bring other people on trips with me. So whether it be friends who couldn't necessarily afford to go somewhere or didn't even know a place existed, the fact that I can sort of pack them up and take them with me for a weekend or a week or so has been so rewarding and being able to cater those experiences to the people that I care about most has been one of my favorite elements of travel recently. So that's something I definitely plan on continuing to do. Wow. A really good friend right there. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, thank when you. Can s- take the already friends podcast yeah. <laughs> on a trip. I know. What, you guys are ready for a retreat? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> I'm on Geary. <laughs> yeah. Oh sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to come on. It was seriously yeah, means a lot. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, of course. Allison, I feel like I know you already, even though I guess I technically don't. But I know, same. It's crazy because when I asked Kara if you could come on, I was like, who knows what country she's going to be in when we actually are able to record this. <laughs> I'll send you guys the Google Calendar. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, as to the list. All right. Well, that was another episode of Already Friends. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Already Friends. It means the world to us that you are listening, liking, subscribing, and following us on Instagram. We are really trying to build up our rating in Apple Podcasts. So if you could leave a review, we are a review and a rating. We are doing a giveaway at the end of the year for AirPod Pros. So Kara is going to tell you how you can enter that giveaway. Yes. So to be entered into this giveaway, you need to leave a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. Go ahead and click five-star, write a little snippet about what you're enjoying with the podcast, and then screenshot that and send it to our Instagram at We're Already Friends. That way you'll be entered, we'll see it, and yeah, we're doing the drawing at the end of the year. So again, thank you for your support. It really means the world to us and it lets us keep doing what we're doing. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you next time.
save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.